Welcome to the Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Wisconsin Farm Center Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. I'm Bill Baker, and today we look at one of the more stressful aspects of farming, farm financials, and when to reach out for help. You know, just saying those words can be very stressful to some and cause a lot of anxiety, especially during times of uncertainty. So this episode, we have some tips on how to make farm financials easier and less stressful. We're joined by Paul Dittman, a senior lending specialist at Compere Financial. Paul, thanks for joining us. First, let's talk balance sheets. What's a proper balance sheet and how do you prepare one and why is updating one so important? A balance sheet is basically just a a listing of all the assets on the farm and all the liabilities for the farm. So all the assets, that's everything that's owned by the farm or that's payable to the farm at the date that the balance sheet's put together. Liabilities, that's anything that's owed by the farm on the day the balance sheet's put together and anything that's going to come due within the next year. So we put those two categories together, assets and liabilities. When we take assets minus liabilities, it gives us owner's equity or net worth. So that's basically what the farmer's share of the farm business is. We try to get people to to update their balance sheet at least once a year. And usually we want to update it on December 31st or January 1st. The reason that we ask people to update their balance sheet right at the end of the year or on the first of the year is so that it lines up with your Schedule F, your profit or loss from farming that, that you file with your tax return. And by doing that, if, we're, if we do the balance sheet every single year, always on the same day, we can put it together with the, with the federal tax return and we can do a full-blown financial analysis of the farm operation. So I mentioned we, we try to get people to update it on January 1st every year. Uh, it, that doesn't mean that you can only update it on January 1st every year. I encourage people to update it as often as they're comfortable doing it. The one thing that I really encourage people to do, especially in times like now when cash flow is tight, things we've been in a tough farm economy really for five or six years now, um, I try to encourage people to at least update the the current assets and current liabilities on the balance sheet on a monthly basis. Current assets, that's cash. It's anything that's going to convert to cash or anything that's going to be used up on the farm within a year's time. So it includes checking account balance, but it also includes feed inventories, market livestock inventories, accounts receivable. So if somebody owes the farm uh, something, you know, money for hay or something like that, that would show up as a current asset. And then current liabilities, that's credit card debts. It's any accounts payable. And it's also any principal that's due within the next year on longer term debts like the farm mortgage. So um, we really try to update that on a monthly basis when times are tight because we want to know what the working capital is. When we take current assets minus current liabilities, it gives us a dollar figure. And we really want to know what that is. It should always be positive, And we'd like it to be about 15% of, of the farm's annual gross income. So there's a few um, handy little ratios that we calculate from the balance sheet. It's really, it's a very important document. How do you go about reconciling the change of net worth from one year to the next? Well, when we look at the balance sheet and we add up all the assets, we add up all the liabilities, we take the assets minus liabilities, it gives us the net worth or the owner's equity. So it's the, the farmer's portion of the ownership of the farm assets. Hopefully that number goes up every year. You know, we want the, the farmer's ownership of the farm to increase on a yearly basis. We want to reconcile that every year and make sure that if that, that net worth is going up, as, as we hope it will, that it's going up because the farm performed well. You know, the farm's been profitable, it's 
provided positive cash flow to the farm. Um, and that's showing up as net worth on the balance sheet. What we look for and what we hope isn't happening is that the farm has been unprofitable, it's been losing money, and yet net worth is going up because we just keep increasing the value of the assets in the balance sheet. You know, in other words, in 2019, uh, we put the, the value of the land at $5,000 an acre, and in 2020, we put the value of the land at $8,000 an acre, and all of a sudden, we've got a big increase in net worth. Well, it's, you're sort of fooling yourself into thinking that the farm is performing well just because the value of the assets were increasing. We wanna make sure that, it's, that if the net worth is going up, it's going up because the farm is performing well, it's profitable, it's providing cash flow, we're paying down loan balances, so therefore increasing the net worth. So that's, that's really why we try to reconcile the, the balance sheet every year and why that's important to do. Let's talk about working capital. How do you identify what working capital you have and how do you restore or build that capital? Yeah, so working capital is when we look at the balance sheet again and we look at just the category of current assets and just the category of current liabilities. So current assets, that's cash, anything that's going to convert to cash, anything that will be used up on the farm within a year's time. So prepaid expenses and supplies, you know, if you prepay fertilizer in December, uh, it's probably going to be used up on the farm the next spring. And so that's a current asset. Uh, market livestock would be a current asset. They'll convert to cash hopefully in the next year. So that's current assets. Current liabilities, again, that's anything that's, that's due now, an account payable. So it includes anything that's going to come due within the next year, like principal uh, that's going to be due on a longer term debt. We take current assets minus current liabilities. It gives us our working capital position. It's the dollars of working capital. As a lender, I look at that net working capital position, that dollar figure of net working capital. Um, I look at that as uh, an indicator of the farm's ability to withstand risk. So we get hit with poor weather or we, get, uh, we have poor production for some reason or uh, engine blows up on a tractor and we have to have it rebuilt. Anything that, that uh, is really detrimental to the farm, if we've got strong working capital, we're able to withstand that, that unexpected setback. The other thing that it does for the farm is if we have a good working capital position, it allows us to take advantage of an unexpected opportunity that might pop up. You know, so maybe you get to December and the seed dealer is going to give you a 15% discount if you prepay uh, your, your uh, seed for the next year. If you've got a strong working capital position, you can take advantage of it. Or maybe you've always had your eye on, on 40 acres of land that's owned by your neighbor. The neighbor comes to you and says, I want to sell you that 40 but I need to, an answer right now. If you've got a strong working capital position and you've got the money for a down payment, you've got the ability to finance the purchase. So it allows the farm to take advantage of an unexpected opportunity. Now, when we've been through situations like we've seen in the last five, six years where farm income has been, been uh, relatively low and we've had some really poor growing conditions for uh, the past couple of years and you know, we have COVID-19 and what's, what that's done to the farm economy, we can see working capital be eroded pretty quickly. And when that happens, it's pretty, well, first of all, we need to know that it's happening. So we have to update the top part of the balance sheet, current assets, current liabilities. We have to monitor that to know that we're losing working capital. But if working capital starts to get tight, there's some things that can be done. Um, maybe it's talking to your lender about increasing your operating loan limit. Um, maybe it's doing some debt restructuring so that you're maybe taking an operating loan balance and rolling it down the balance sheet, putting it into an intermediate term loan, 
or something like that. That's not something we like to do very often. It's usually an indicator of a, a more severe financial issue on the farm. But if that's an option for the farm and it's most attractive option, then that is the sort of thing that we might look at doing. Um, this time of year, working capital tends to be tight because we've put a lot of money into the ground in crop inputs and we're waiting for November to, uh, to cash in on those crops when they come off the field. Um, or if it's a dairy operation, maybe they're uh, putting hay in the inventory and if they're not keeping up uh, monitoring the balance sheet and updating current assets, current liabilities, they, they won't keep up on that, uh, that increase in feed inventory that, that's been built up with first crop hay or second crop hay. So it's, it's important to monitor working capital and when it starts to get tight to be able to um, take action as quickly as possible to get it back to where it needs to be. When going through your plans, how does someone go about putting together a break-even scenario? We figure break-evens by using enterprise budgets. In an enterprise budget, I always think of it as kind of a mini feasibility study. It's kind of uh, a back of the envelope calculation of what it costs to produce a hundred weight of milk or to produce an acre of corn or an acre of soybeans. And we usually try to do those enterprise budgets before the, the season starts if it's a cropping enterprise. So when we do an enterprise budget, we'll look first at what's the gross revenue we expect? You know, how many, um, how many bushels per acre of corn do we expect? And what kind of price do we expect per bushel? And that's our gross revenue per acre. And then we have two categories of expenses that we build into an enterprise budget. First is variable costs. Those are operating costs. Those are the things that you sit down and write out a check every month for. So it's feed, seed, fertilizer, uh, could be hired labor, could be custom hire if you're having somebody plant your corn for you and that sort of thing. Um, it's crop insurance falls in there. There's a bunch of different category, uh, categories of expenses that fall under those variable costs. And then we have a category of overhead costs. And overhead costs are things like depreciation or an opportunity cost for using land. So if you, if you could rent your land out for $200 an acre, we want to charge the corn enterprise $200 an acre if we're going to use it ourselves to grow corn. When we calculate a break-even, we like to calculate the break-even two different ways. We want to figure out what's the break-even price we need to get for corn in order to cover all those variable costs. So we total up all the variable costs. Maybe it's $300 an acre to grow corn. And if we're expecting 200 bushel corn, we just take that uh, $300 an acre of variable costs and we divide it by 200 bushels and it tells us what our, our break-even cost per bushel of corn is. As long as we're able to at least cover those costs, we're going to be in the game. We're going to be able to keep growing corn. We also want to figure out, well, what's the break-even price we need for corn in order to cover all of the costs? We're going to be able to cover all those overhead costs, too. We may not do it every year, but over the long run, we want to be able to cover all of the costs and have a profit over and above. And so when we total up all the costs, both the variable costs and overhead, and divide by the yield we're expecting per acre, that's going to give us the break-even price per bushel of corn. So in other words, if we're above that break-even price per bushel, let's say it calculates at three bucks. Um, if our break even for corn is $3, we know if we sell it for $3.40, we're going to make money on it. And if we sell it for $2.90, we're going to lose money on it. Um, so that, that's really what, what that's all about. If we can calculate the break even, if we know what it costs us to produce a bushel of corn, we're going to be a lot more comfortable uh, forward contracting corn. So if we can lock in $3.50 a bushel and we know our break even on it is $3, we know we're going to make $0.50 cents a bushel profit. 
uh, on that corn, we're going to be in the game for a long time. If we have no idea what the what our break-even price is uh, for corn, we don't know if it costs us $2.90 a bushel to produce corn. We don't know if it costs us $4 a bushel to produce corn. Never going to be comfortable locking in a price on it because you're always going to be trying to chase the next higher dollar. Um, so that's that's really why uh, figuring out break-even is is so important. Having a good safety net is always a good idea for anything. Can you tell us any risk management tools out there where farmers can lock in prices? There's a number of different tools that farmers can use. The first one is just crop insurance. You know, taking uh, taking crop insurance, it's heavily subsidized by the federal government. It's about a 50% subsidy on the premium. It pays off better on a global basis than any other type of insurance that that anybody could get. You know, it's um, the farmers, you may not pay it. It may not pay off on an individual farm basis every year. Maybe it only pays off once every 10 years. But overall, if you look at the entire country and all the farmers who've paid in premiums for crop insurance, it pays out about 100% of the, the premiums that are collected. So that's the number one way to, um, to try to lock in some prices. You at least know what your floor is going to be, that you've got 70% of, of your uh, expected gross revenue per acre locked in. So that's one tool. It's probably the simplest tool that, that a farmer can use. You can do forward pricing. A lot, of, a lot of elevators will forward price grain. Milk processing plants will forward price milk. So you can lock in a forward price that way. There are people who get a little bit more sophisticated and they use the, the Chicago Board of Trade and can sell futures or even use options and things like that. It gets a little bit more complicated. But there's, there are different tools that can be used to lock in prices. Another tool that can be used, and it's I specialize in working with farmers who are marketing products direct to consumers or doing value-added processing, and that's another way that they lock in their prices. You know, they're dealing directly with consumers. They take themselves out of the commodity marketing realm, and they set a price. If it's $3 per pound for beef, that's what their customers pay. It doesn't really matter whether, you know, 70% of the capacity is shut down nationally, as long as they've got a, a slot where they can get animals processed at a local processing plant. Um, they're still going to be in business. So there's, there are different ways that farmers can use to um, to lock in some prices. Given all the things we've talked about here, what are some key indicators that it's time to reach out for help, whether that's with your lender or the farm center? That working capital is one of the key indicators. If if working capital is is getting lower and lower and lower, or if it's gone negative and it's getting more and more negative, that's a big warning sign. That's where you really need to, to get some, uh, some help. I encourage farmers to do a month-by-month cash flow projection at the beginning of the year. And so putting together a projection of when cash is going to come into the farm, when cash is going to go out of the farm, when loan payments have to be made, um, making sure that we build in adequate family living costs. We want to make sure that people aren't skimping too much on family living and that they're able to, to pay for health insurance and cover all the other uh, things that fall under the category of family living expenses. So building that, that cash flow projection and doing it on a monthly basis. So we know how much we started with on January 1st, how much money came in during the month of January, all the expenses that we had to pay uh, during the month of January, the, the uh, principal and interest payments that we made, taking something out for family living, and then what do we have left at the end of the month? that starts February 1st, then that becomes the beginning balance for February 1st. And so I try to encourage people to do that, go through that exercise early in the year or in December, 
and run a cash flow projection out for the next year. We want to be able to anticipate what months are we going to be short of cash? I mean, every, every farm is going to have months where the cash balance is negative. And so what are we going to do to get through those months when cash is going to be negative? It could be off-farm income. It could be changing up our farm enterprises so we have income coming in during the months that we typically would be short. Uh, it may be restructuring loans and trying to set up loans uh, so that the payments match the farm's cash flow a little bit better. Um, you know, it's the thing that we want to avoid is not paying bills, letting bills slide for a month or two. We want to avoid putting things on credit cards. We want to avoid using uh, non-traditional lenders. So going online and getting a loan at, at 25, 30%. I had a farmer a few years ago, he had a, took a loan with an online lender at 94% annual interest rate. I mean, that, that's a real desperation move and we don't want to get to that point. It starts a snowball effect of a lot of bad things happening. So if we haven't anticipated when cash is going to be short and all of a sudden it catches us off guard when we're writing out checks and, and the checking account's empty, um, it starts this, this snowball of bad things happening where bills are let slide, the credit card isn't being paid off, and then the credit score starts to fall, and then it becomes even harder to access commercial credit, and it you know just gets worse and worse. So that's another indicator. If, if cash flow is always short, if you're sitting down, you're writing out bills, and you get about half the bills paid for the month, and all of a sudden there's nothing left, or you get the bills paid, but you're, uh, you don't have any money for groceries or you've been in a position where you had to drop your health insurance because you just couldn't afford it anymore. Those are other big warning signs too where you really need some help. And that's where you know, a, uh, a lender can help. It's great that uh, Wisconsin has the Farm Center and has the services that the Farm Center provides and provides for free. I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of people know about the Farm Center. I don't know if people realize the level of expertise that, that the staff and the farm center have and all the resources at their disposal. Everything from, from being able to help with projecting cash flow and putting the balance sheet together and helping them talk to lenders, um, all the way to the formal mediation to mental health counseling vouchers and all that, and all of it's available for free. So that, that's a fantastic service that's available in Wisconsin. From the lender perspective, what should farmers know? I really would like farmers to understand the balance sheets, number one. And why we're always asking for balance sheets. You know, every time a farmer comes to us with a loan request or is looking at maybe doing some restructuring or something, the first thing we're going to ask is for a balance sheet. And so understanding why that balance sheet is so important, not just for us, but for the farm and for managing the farm's finances. It's such an important tool. It's, it's the number one thing that a farmer really needs to do. The other thing that I would try to emphasize with my farmers is if you're religious about filling out that balance sheet on January 1st every year and keeping it updated, you're going to have everything you need. The government is going to force you to do a Schedule F. They're going to force you to file your tax return with your profit or loss from farming, your Schedule F. If you've got the Schedule F and you've got a beginning balance sheet and an ending balance sheet, even if you don't necessarily know how to put together the ratios out of those documents, those three documents, bring them to the farm center, bring them to your lender, and they'll be able to help you do a full-blown analysis of the farm operation, figure out where you're strong, where you're vulnerable. So that's something I really, I always try to emphasize that with my farmers is that that balance sheet is really important. Even if I don't ask you for it, it's still a really important document just to manage the farm. Doing that month-by-month cash flow projection, that's not something that a lot of farmers do. It's such an important exercise, though, to be able to know and anticipate when you're going to be short of cash so that you can come up with a plan three months or six months ahead of time 
to deal with that cash shortage. You don't want to get in that situation where you're losing sleep at night because you can't figure out how you're going to pay your bills. It's so much better to be able to anticipate that six months ahead of time and have a plan worked out to deal with it. And it's not foolproof. You know, we've got a year like this. Who would have predicted what was going to happen to milk price in April? You know, no one would have known in January that that was going to happen. So it, it isn't a foolproof exercise, but it, it's an important exercise year in and year out to do. So those are two things that I would recommend to farmers is to make sure that balance sheet's updated and try to sit down and put together a, a month by month cash flow projection before the year starts. A lot of good information here, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Any parting thoughts? Yeah, it's easy for people to get down when we've had a number of years in a row like we've had. You know, it's this has been a tough time in agriculture. Uh, we had some good years before this. We're going to have some really good years after this. So it, I think it's important just to keep that in mind that agriculture is a cyclical business. And as bad as it looks, as dark as it is, it's always going to get better. There's always going to be better times ahead. And the future is bright, but we've got a tough time to get through, but we just got to get through it. That's Paul Dittman, a senior lending specialist at Compeer Financial. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection provides an array of different services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including farm mediation, financial planning, herd-based diagnostics, the counseling voucher program, and much more. To learn more, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenteratwisconsin.gov. Also, their website address is datcp.wi.gov. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.